Welcome to Limitless, the Blind Beginnings podcast where seeing things differently inspires limitless possibilities. The Limitless podcast was created in order to inform, educate, entertain, and share stories from within the blind and partially sighted community that show that the opportunities for those who are blind or partially sighted are truly limitless. And now, it is my pleasure to introduce you to your host, the founder of Blind Beginnings, Sean Marcelet. Welcome back to Limitless, the Blind Beginnings podcast. I'm your host, Sean Marcelet. Thank you for joining us again this week. We are talking about friendship when one person is blind or partially sighted and the other is not. And with me today are my co-hosts, Clement and Ginny. Welcome back to the podcast. Hello. Hello. Thanks for joining me for this important topic. Uh, Let's have you introduce yourselves, remind our listeners your level of vision, and why did you want to talk about this topic of friendship? All right. I'm Ginny. I was born completely blind. In terms of this topic, I think growing up, I was always, it was always really hard to integrate me in friendships with my sighted peers. Um, there has been like a few strategies employed um, that didn't really work for me, but at the time, like, you know, people did the best that they could. Um, and I just feel like that took like a really big toll on me um, as a person, just to feel like I always had to kind of try harder to be like sighted people rather than like, oh, just be friends. Um, and not only that, I just found like as I got older, you know, when I was a teenager, especially, um, social groups, friendships were just something really challenging for me to navigate because I never had that experience. Um, as a kid, um, having friendships, so it became even harder. In fact, I think for me, it's, I know we're specifically talking about, um, when the other friend does not. Um, blind, I feel like I struggle in all sorts of friendships. So it's kind of cool to kind of like break them down and like look at them and see kind of what what's going on and like, you know, the difficulties and some of the fun parts too. That's great. Thank you. What about you, Clement? Well, Ginny basically said it all. Um, so I'm just going to say I, you know, mostly is the exact same as her. Um, the, the difference I would say is in, for the past 10 or so years, um, being involved in church and where I was working, I've been kind of at the opposite end of the spectrum to a lot of people where I really didn't have, like blind people kind of made up um, like a minority of my social circle for a really long time uh, because I would be at a church where I was the only blind person out of, you know, 200 people or I would be at a workplace where I was the only blind person out of 50, 60 people. Um, so it, it's been very interesting um, to kind of try and navigate those situations um, <clears throat> because as a kid, um, I, I found it was almost easier to at least start socializing with people in class, in school, because you saw them every day. Um, you know, you'd be with the same group of 30, 40 students per class per year. And especially in my school, we did terms. So you did the whole you know, you had the same classes every day for the whole year. And so you kind of had to almost become friends with people. Um, but it wasn't the same as, um, you know, 
making friends as an adult um, when you had to kind of, you know, when things were a lot looser, when you could choose who you wanted to be friends with and who you wanted to, you know, avoid like no tomorrow. Um, and when I was younger, all of those choice based kind of friendships were among other blind kids uh, like myself for, through camp or uh, where we would get the district uh, blind kids together and we do stuff and um yeah, and it's really changed over the years, especially, you know, with technology uh, and with the way we communicate. Um, and that's kind of created all sorts of complications. Um, and this is just something I find super fascinating to talk about. Um, and so I'm really eager to hear what everyone has to say. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, oh, man, just from your, your introductions, I feel like I have more questions than I plan to ask. So I think this is going to be really <laughs> great. I think for me, the reason I wanted to talk about this, I think finding out at age 12 that I was um, that I had a degenerative eye condition, I had this idea like that if people knew I was blind, they wouldn't want to be my friend. Um, this idea that I it would be too much work to be my friend, that they would have to, you know, compensate or accommodate me. Um, and yeah. I didn't feel like I was equal. And so, you know, for like high school and probably most, most of my 20s, I was probably just trying to pretend I was sighted. And which really I wasn't. So that's not really being my authentic self and, you know, trying to overcompensate for my blindness. And it was, it just played a big role in the back of my head all the time. And when I was around other blind people, I didn't have that issue. So for me, mm. friendships with blind people were, were so easy and so relaxed and I didn't, it didn't matter. It was, it wasn't even part of the equation, right? I could just be myself, which was amazing. Um, and then, you know, you kind of come to adulthood and you bring all that stuff from your younger years with you, right? So it, it's, I think I set up these patterns of, I need to like prove to people that I'm worthy of being their friend. Uh, I need to demonstrate my independence, uh, which <laughs> when you come into a friendship with all of that, I don't know, it, it, it sort yeah. of like, it doesn't make it easy, let's just say. Yeah, so. it, can, it can definitely make things complicated. And I'm, I'm mm -hmm. curious, Sean, do you think, like, the fact that Ginny and I are both congenitally blind as opposed mm. to finding yeah, out sure. later, you think that has a huge, I, I think that has a huge impact. Yeah, on me too. How you friendships, you know, uh, in the long Yeah, time. I think that we're, we're going to come at it for different reasons, but I think there's going to be some similarities and you for know, sure. that I, I assume, well, it's interesting. I'm also wondering about the male female dynamic too. Mm. Um, like an insecurity or an inequality, a feeling of inequality or an inadequacy we might share, but for different reasons, you know, mm. if Ginny, I'm mm -hmm. curious, you yeah. said that people tried to employ certain strategies to help you make <laughs> friends. Do you want to yeah. talk about some of those? Yeah. So I wrote uh, a blog as well. Uh, go to our website and check it out. But it was called, um, oh, so, um, it was about the buddy system. Mm. And that was a strategy that my teachers, SEAs used um, in order to kind of get me more socialized. Um, so it was, Students from my class or students from older grades would sign up on a sheet um, each recess and lunch to kind of hang out with me. 
and um, we were done kind of hang out, do things. Um, sometimes and this obviously wasn't done by the SEAs. They probably didn't, you know, even know. Um, when they bring me back to class, our grade six teacher at the time would like give them a piece of candy, which, yeah, yeah. Ick. But um, the yes, the reason I think like it was a like again, it's a good. They were had good intentions, but honestly, like kind of someone, it kind of felt like someone was like signing up to walk a dog. Mm-hmm. Um, to be honest. Um, later as well, like, um, in gym class, that became a thing too. But then again, it's like, okay, are you kind of my boss? Cause you're, or can we goof around? Because if two kids were left alone, I bet you they wouldn't do all the homework. I, you know, they wouldn't do all the tasks. They would chat and goof around. So just kind of these like, um, like levels of like power levels uh, were mm-hmm. really also challenging to figure out. Yeah, for sure. Clement, you mentioned that, you know, being at school, it was easier because you saw the same people every day. So I'm, when I, when I think of friendship, I'm thinking sort of beyond the people that you say hi to or hang out with at school. Like, did you have friends that you saw outside of school? Yeah, so now that's that gets interesting because I actually I didn't. So I I would say my my definition of a friendship changed over time, mm-hmm. um, because to me, you know now now my friendship my definition of friendship would be very very much the same as yours. Would you know somebody who you hang out with when you're not in school or at work or you know at church or at whatever you're doing. It's somebody you can call and say, hey, let's go for a coffee, let's go for a meal, mm-hmm. um, let's go hiking together, those things. But when I was in high school, um. You know, it, it was kind of not not scraping the bottom of the barrel, but it was like, oh, as long as you know this person ha- and I have a co- constant level of communication during class, ooh, that you know that's that's pretty good for me. Right. Um, and and it was interesting to see how a lot that's that's not just I don't think that's just blind teenagers. I think that's teen- a lot of teenagers in general. Um, but that's how teenagers learn social dynamics and stuff that a lot of us don't really get to learn as blind kids we kind of because those are the only friendships we can have whereas teenagers if you can see they have a choice of who they want to talk to um and how often they want to talk to them um but yeah for me it was definitely like like my my best friends were all choir kids uh (laughs) no surprise because we had choir together uh we had extra rehearsals together we had sectionals together we did trips together we did clinics together Mm -hmm. um but you know it's it is sad to see to say um I've noticed this is that a lot of my choir friends still have kept in touch over the years. Um, but I haven't been. Oh, like they've kept in touch with each other but not with yeah. you? Yeah. Mm. And so, mm. you know, that 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 was kind of part of what made me rethink my definition of friendship. Because, you know, we we were all tight in school. Yeah. Um, and we talked and we, you know, we cried together, we shared life together, but then as soon as we graduated, mm-hmm. um, and I, I never even thought about the fact that, oh, whenever they hung out after school, like sometimes I wasn't really invited. You know, maybe I can remember twice when I was asked to hang out with some choir friends outside of high school right. uh, or you know outside of school, I should say. Yeah. But in general, yeah, um, that definitely was more of my experience. So you mentioned the choice. Um, it's interesting when I think back to high school, it was 
whoever was willing to be my. I was just gonna say that. I'm like, yeah, I think, I think all of us could. I think all of us. Could yeah. Say that. I so, think I was like gonna say like after Clement's definition, I'm like, sadly, I don't think that's changed for me. Like, I think mm. I kind of still, um, right. in that age, which you know what, maybe for me makes sense because I'm still in my early twenties. I'm still trying to figure stuff out. But even right now, like between blind and sighted, it's just like was ever kind of willing i'll call them friends but it's like do i i don't know if i quote want to be or is this a friend like how to figure that out yeah well honestly even for me when i think about it i don't think i've turned down a friendship ever yeah. <laughs> it's like you're willing to be that my be friend so sad right <laughs> okay like, yeah because there's need a them. there's a scarcity mindset though yeah, there's yeah. kind of like absolutely I, what if I don't have any? What if no one wants to be my friend? And that's like from my childhood, right? I never had a lot of friends. I always had mm -hmm. at least one friend every year in school, but I didn't have a lot. So you kind of had to take what you could get. And you hang yeah, on to them. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think it's the same kind of scarcity complex that applies to, you know, a lot of things as blind people, right? You know, when we, when you, when you have a job, even if it's not really the best job, you know, it's kind of like, well, I can't quit my job and find another one because right. what if I don't find another one? Mm -hmm. um, and so, okay. you know, even if the payment conditions are terrible, you know, the employee conditions are terrible, the pay isn't that great, you'll work your butt off to keep it because it's like, well, what else do I have? I can't just pick, you know, a job that I want because there's too many things. And I think that's the same with friendships. Yeah. So um, let's talk about sort of the making friends so i mean we've talked about how we we probably wait for someone else to initiate something um i recently um took took a class in in kind of a new well i'll just it doesn't matter it's not a secret <laughs> <laughs> why are you being so secret about our love sean it's our it's our <clears throat> it's our favorite thing in the whole world well it's not quite my favorite thing but um yeah i recently started a writing class and i met a new friend and so over the course of 10 weeks or whatever the class 12 weeks i can't remember you know it developed from um i think at the end of the second class or during the second class, she came over to talk to me. She said, it sounds like we have a similar goal. Um, maybe we could get together at some point and, you know, talk about our, our book plans. And so that's kind of how it started. And then a couple of weeks later, she, she's like, Oh, do you want to ride home? Like, do you have a ride home? Where do you live? Do you want me to, you know, do you want a ride home? And then it turned into, Oh, well, you're totally on my way. I can pick you up and drop you off each class. And then we actually went for coffee outside of class. So it's just developed, right? It's we're, mm. we're now, I think we're friends. Well, no, we are, we're friends. <laughs> She's been to my house. I, we've been for coffee twice. Like, I think we're friends. I'm sorry, um, you should clarify in case she starts listening to this podcast. Yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, but if she hadn't approached me, like when I was in that class, I was just like, oh, I wonder if anyone's going to talk to me. Oh, everyone's going to be uncomfortable. You know, I'm, I'm going to have to do my thing to kind of make people comfortable with blindness so that it doesn't mm -hmm. have to be this big issue. And, and that's all there. Like I'm carrying that with me when I start the class. So I'm not in the best open frame of mind for like forming friendships. So mm -hmm. is, how is it for you guys? I think for me, it, it's also similar. Um, 
like a lot of high school, uh, elementary school aside, when I started university, a lot of it was also the same. Like I would go to, you know, writing class and I feel like writing classes are a bit different because they're not so lecture based. You actually have to talk. So I would be put in a group, a small group. And then because you're also talking and sharing, people would just start to get to know my personality. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of like the teacher kind of just did that. So that's how I'd start. Or like, you know, um, I would also write things at first, like not about blindness. I don't think I really, I, there's, I, I only really have done that, like started doing that like a year or two ago, but on purpose because I wanted people to kind of just see me as like who I was, mm-hmm. um, which really did help. And then eventually once I made one friend or like, you know, they started talking to me, um, you know, we just kind of like connected and would like, you know, be like, hey, what days are you at school, etc. Mm-hmm. Um, I think outside of that, like if no one had approached me, like it's yeah, I think it's really hard to like kind of walk around the room and kind of approach people. So if you don't know how it's laid out, but also like sometimes like if someone's sitting next to me, sometimes I'll like notice like two people sitting next to each other will like kind of like whisper if someone like says something or whatever. Right. Like sometimes I've tried to kind of do that. Like I also really can't give a look. Like a yeah. lot of the times, like my friend, like if a friend and I are talking after class, they'll be like, I know I saw so-and-so and we gave each other a look. I'm like, oh, I kind of feel a little left out. Um, And then apart from school, um, honestly, like, it depends like what I'm doing. Like if I'm doing extracurricular activities, it's honestly has to just be like getting to know the person. I also have to do that whole like blindness thing. Like when I go into class now, um, because I have a guide dog, it's a little bit different because she's kind of, okay. She's helpful and she's not helpful. Um, you know, everyone wants to come see the puppy, the cute dog and want to ask questions. That's great. That's a great opener. But also I find then like people generally want the dog, not me. So mm-hmm. it kind of becomes like a twofold issue. Um, like she's a great opener. She's great. But then it's also like mm-hmm. are you, you want to be my friend or my dog's friend, yeah. you know, like yeah. it, it, it's, it's, it's a bit tough. Right. Um, for myself, I think I'd say um, I was very, very fortunate um, I was very blessed that right after high school, I was kind of tossed in the deep end, um, so to speak, um, in two major places. So most of, you know, most of the areas I've learned my blind and sighted dynamics, the the two biggest ones have been the international students group at the church I volunteer at and my workplace, uh, where I was also working with Japanese students um, on a regular basis. And it was both times it was kind of like, you know, they started as small volunteer things, and then somewhere along the line, people just said, "Hey, you seem to have a really good way with people. Uh, we're gonna put you in charge of leader, you know, in leadership positions." And I was like, "Uh, what do you want me to do?" Because I'm blind and I can't lead a table of plenty of people. That's weird. Um, <clears throat> and you know, but they said, "You know what? Just give it a try and see, you know, see how it goes." And I remember the first the first couple of years, it was like fighting quicksand. Um. Every time I had a new person sit down at my table, I'd freak out and I'd have like a minor anxiety attack. Of course, I couldn't tell anybody about it because no one would actually get it. Um, but, you know, 
it it was it was hard like and you know like like you guys both said not being able to walk around and find people not being able to approach people kind of and invite them to your table is really really difficult um and so i've i found sometime down the line you know one of my one of my sighted students actually challenged me someone who i got to know pretty well you know she told me she said hey i was telling her how hard it was and she said you know, I, I get I get why it, I kind of I can kind of imagine why it's hard because as an international student it's the same way. You know, when you don't speak English, you don't want to open your mouth because you're afraid something weird's going to come out or uh, mm -hmm. you know, people aren't going to want to slow down their English for you. Have you tried just talking to people? And I was like, "What are you talking about?" She's like, "Well, you know, no no you you say no one approaches you and you know, that's that's hard. I get it." But have you ever considered that it goes both ways? And I was like, you know, you ever have one of those moments when you talk, look at someone, and you go, I hate it when you're right. Mm -hmm. That was a moment for me. And I was kind of like, I guess I haven't, you know, and yeah, it's uncomfortable and I don't like it because that, in that involves me walking around the room and trying to find people. But I guess it does go both ways. Like I can't expect people to just come to me all the time. And it's not, you know, it's still something I struggle with, and I don't, I, I don't, I don't like it. Still, it would be more comfortable for me if, um, I could just sit there and have people fully engage me. But that's, just, that just isn't how things work. Mm -hmm. And you know, if you want to, if you want to pursue friendships, at some point, you're gonna have to be the one doing the pursuing. Sometimes, I think that's interesting too. I get that, but also then, how do you do it, right? Like, okay, walking around the room, you find a table. Do you just look at where you think, like, a bunch of people are sitting and go, hi? Like, what if they're talking? You're in a conversation? Like, things like that. Also, I find as soon as um I get up in a room and start moving around, whether that's to go outside, whether that's whatever, someone always asks, where do you need to be? Where do you need yeah. to go? And I kind do you of need like, help? Do you need help? Do you need something? And I'm like... I just, I'm just here. I'm just, I, it's weird. I feel like I'm kind of like in the way, you know? Mm -hmm. Well, uh, because yeah, it's not, and, not as fluid. It's like, yeah, you know, I might bump for, it for sure. And I, I still, I still deal with that and I still feel that. But I think mm -hmm. what's helped me is constantly reminding myself that I just sometimes, sometimes, not always, because sometimes mm -hmm. we should get worked out about these things. But sometimes I think I just have to care less. And I can't say, I, you know, I can't say that applies for everyone and that works for everyone. But this is how I've managed that hurdle is that just been telling us you know what whatever people are going to be people um hmm. and and you know when when someone asks me whether i need help or not nowadays i just say no nope, i'm good thank you you know and I, hmm. I will i will be firm if i have to um and the approaching groups um kind of thing is yeah i mean it's it's similar not not the same as looking around and seeing who's available but you know i kind of walk around from because the room that I usually work in on the Monday night is a really wide open room with a lot of round tables kind of scattered all over the place. Um, and, you know, there's clusters of people. And so I just tend to walk around and I'll stop at a table. I'll listen. And, you know, if if there's a gap in the conversation or if I sense a gap, I'll ask, hey, you know, would you mind if I join you? Um, and sometimes that happens. Sometimes people invite me to join them. Um and that's personally how I work around it. But again, you know, everybody's going to have different strategies and different comfort, comfort level. Are you talking about people that you know already or they know who you are? Um, it's a mix of both. So 
among the group, sometimes there will be people I know, sometimes not. Um, and if it's people I don't know, you know, I will introduce myself first and say, hey, I'm Clement. You know, I was just listening to you guys talk and it was really interesting. Um, nice to meet you guys. And I'll right. start asking them questions. Mm -hmm. um, and if it's people I know, then it's easier because then I can just ask them what they're talking about. Yeah. Yeah, I think I've always been worried about embarrassing myself. Yeah, no, I can't do it. Like talking to the empty yeah. chair yeah. or interrupting somebody or and not being yeah. able to see the body language that yeah. mm, they actually didn't want to be interrupted and they're yeah. having a private conversation that yeah. I don't yeah. know. For sure. It's, and I think it's the, tricky. It is tricky. But I think for me personally, and again, this is my own experience, but I, I think I, that's where I've learned a lot from my international students because they feel the same way about us. Mm-hmm because they don't speak English. Yeah. Right. And so there's the same level of kind of embarrassment and like, oh my gosh, like what if I open my mouth and I say something completely wrong? I've had so many students, you know, they cry around me and they talk to me because, you know, I try and communicate with my clients and my customers and they can't understand what I'm saying and it's frustrating and I don't get it and blah. And I'm like, yeah, I, I empathize because that's what I deal with all the time. Yeah. You know? It might and, make a difference and it, it does make a difference. The who the people are, you know, yeah. what, the, yes. what the scenario yeah. is, yeah. where you are. Also, yeah. if you're like in charge, like they're supposed yeah, to really be doing too. that. I mean, like if we're in a cl class and you're just some random person or if you're at like a get together gathering at someone's yep. house that you don't even know the layout it's, of, it's just. Yeah, so, it's a, it it's is a very so tricky dynamic. Um, and, and again, I think what I meant to say was that's it's just some it's an it's a source of encouragement to me when I watch international students to then apply that same mentality to um as many situations as i can of course mm -hmm. there aren't you know it's not going to work all the time mm -hmm. um and i still like you know i don't want to say this and make it sound like i've got this whole thing figured out because i don't um and i struggle with overcoming these same kind of anxieties as well mm -hmm. um but my internet my international student friends have been an inspiration to me in terms of teaching me how to you know kind of mm -hmm. force yourself to do it um even yeah. if it's not necessarily comfortable Hi there, listeners. I just wanted to interrupt to tell you how much we appreciate you, but we really want to get our message out there to as many people as possible. So if you are enjoying this podcast, please help us by sharing, liking, subscribing, leave us a rating, and we are so grateful to you for listening each week. And now back to this episode. I'm thinking of um, a different approach that I've taken because I think what you're mm -hmm. describing is the courage to be the one to initiate <laughs> and it takes courage I think um, I'm thinking when we moved into the this complex we live in a townhouse complex and there's a lot of other kids and I think it was Nicholas's third birthday and I knew that there were some of the neighbors had kids and I put an invitation through their mail slots. I didn't even know the parents' names, but mm -hmm. I took, I kind of took that first mm -hmm. move. Yeah. And then um, the year that he was going to be starting kindergarten, I sort of did the same thing. I had met several moms of kids who were going to be mm -hmm. starting kindergarten and I kind of invited them all out one night. It was totally like mom's night out, mm -hmm. but sent an email to, to all these people, didn't know any of them super well. They all came. So that mm -hmm. it, it was easier for me to do it in writing yes, <laughs> you yeah you know yeah. kind of like Not walking around and looking I, at yeah i would be interested in 
becoming more friendly with you. I have no idea how you feel about me, but you know, here you, I don't have to see your face literally at yeah. all, or even hear yeah. your voice. <laughs> you get you get a bit of a delay between your effort, and you can kind of prepare yourself for the reaction, right? Yeah. I think also yeah. too, Sean, like proposing what you kind of propose is also an invitation, right? It's something that they can decline. Right. Or not decline. That's it's something true. they either show up at or don't show up at. Like, there's no real, like, obligation. I feel like when you're walking around or in a room, like, someone can't really tell you to go away or they're <sighs> not interested or, like, things like that, right? Whereas the way you did it, it's yeah. this, you, you will never know if maybe they were busy. Yeah. Maybe, the, you know, something came up. Mm -hmm, so yeah. I, I really like that. The, 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 you know, each, each, kind, each one kind of has its own, you know, mm -hmm. perks. I, mm -hmm. I find writing harder because the not knowing kills me. I can't do right. it. Um, whereas for me, like if I have to, when I'm at church or actually when I'm in Aikido, because in Aikido, you practice with people who you never, you may never have met before. Mm -hmm. um, and you can't just say, oh, I don't want to practice with you because it's not the <laughs> yeah. polite thing to do. Um, so you almost kind of have to. And so it's, you know, to me, it's harder in the moment. Yeah. Um, but I, I find there's times when I prefer writing, um, like messaging someone and you know, or a group and asking them if they want to hang out versus other times when talking is easier. Okay, so I'm thinking of another scenario when I was kickboxing. Sadly, <laughs> the kickboxing gym closed. Boohoo. But um, I never really talked to anybody except for twice. And both times it's because the person beside me spoke to me yeah. and when I think about why did I not like I didn't you know I can hear that somebody's there I can't tell just I can't tell if they're male female old young like whatever but I can hear that somebody's at the next punching bag over from me and I I could have you know kind of smiled in their direction and said hello and why didn't I <laughs> don't know who it is what if it's like an old like older person that maybe is not in your age group maybe it's yeah. like a really younger like teenager yeah. like that's always worries me like I, I always i always know when people are next to me but i'm like is this gonna look weird am i going to look right. like i'm harassing somebody or being harassed like yeah that worries yeah. me <laughs> i had that too i think like oh god what if they really don't want to talk to me what if they feel uncomfortable yeah. because i'm blind what, what if, if they're they... in headphones like yeah there's just so many so many ways variables. that i could be embarrassed, I guess, yeah. and in order to protect myself. But I have to say, when the two people spoke to me, I was so grateful. I was yeah. so happy those days. I felt like somebody talked to me. It was, and it made the experience so much better. So, yeah. I mean, probably it'd be the same if I spoke to somebody else, right? Regardless of what they look like or their age or any of it. Just like to say hello. There's no harm in that. But That's, I don't yeah. know. I find but it, it hard. It's, it's harder. It's harder to overcome, I think, when you have to be the one to do it. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's something that blind and sighted people probably all have in common. Like I've, I've heard more that's than what, enough sighted people tell me that they struggle with being the one to initiate. It's just for also us. Also, eye contact is, a, is, you know, something that yep. a lot of sighted people will have. Sure. Like, sometimes it's not even you say hello. Like, you just kind of yeah look at each other or smile, smile at each other. or like yeah. nod or mm, eye contact right? and then you gotta feel for it you gotta suss them out as the kids say like we can't really suss out the person first i feel like as as, as much that's right true. we can't mm -hmm. we cannot and that, yeah. that certainly makes it harder you know because 
human beings have that innate anxiety already. And when you mm -hmm. can't get an idea of the person you're talking to or potentially thinking about talking to, that makes it harder for sure, I think. Even finding your people. So I, I've been thinking about, mm. you know, my new friend from the writing class. And yeah. because it's a writing class and everybody shares their writing over the course of the class, I've figured out roughly how old everyone yeah. is and you know what I kind of have an idea of their interests based on what they've written about and and honestly she is probably the best match <laughs> you know like she would be my person I would have chosen yeah. her too and she obviously yeah. could like we're basically the same age um yeah. you know we're both moms like we had things in common so and somehow she could see that and maybe it was the way I dress or maybe it was my age or maybe like I don't know but we can't really look around the room and be like mm, those are that's my person over there that looks like somebody I would connect with right yeah yeah definitely about like finding your people Sean I definitely agree because I find you know sometimes let's say if I have rarely, very rarely been the first one to say something. Or if someone finally says something to me and we become friends, you know, of course, you don't know the person right away, right? Um, you get to know each other and then you find out that you're not really, you know, maybe you don't click or maybe you have different values or maybe you have different interests and all mm -hmm. that. Then I also find it difficult because it's like, now I have to keep you. And like <laughs> I kind of I kinda of have this issue where I it's keep hard to break up with a friend. <laughs> no, not even break up, right? Because you don't really break up. You just you know, like you let's say you see someone in a class, like maybe, you know, you, you don't you only just you just limit it to class or whatever. My thing is is like more so I feel like, oh, but you, you kinda of like what you were saying before, you like me. So I ha now have to be your friend or like, oh, like you do this and this. So like, I have to like kind of pay, you, not pay you back, but like kind of like. Okay. Let's talk about that. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. return that favor and kind of be your friend. Cause I feel like I have a lot of quote, like friends um, and I love them and they're super dear to me, but I feel like half of the people who I was friends with young when I was younger and still now, like a lot of like the things that, I value they don't value but they're my friends because I'm so scared that like I, there's that scarcity problem right mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah so when we're talking about sighted friends like I think what, something that I'm very insecure about is can I be reciprocal yeah so, you know yeah. if they're the one that always has to drive because I don't drive and just stupid things like reading the menu yes. or helping me find the washroom or reading my bill for me or mm -hmm. helping me with the interact machine Even or guiding guiding, guiding. yeah car, especially like yeah all it all of that i feel like and i i think this stems from something like i don't know that everybody has this same thing that i do that that it's a lot of work to do those things and i think I it have depends that feel too Okay, because I think it depends on how the how it's been for you in your life around those things, you know, kind of like how your family responds to having to yes, help you yeah. in those situations. So if it feels like it's a lot of work, then you're going to, you know, if your family yes. makes it feel that way, then <laughs> yes. you're going to think that your friends are going to make think that, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, yeah, I don't know. Clement, do you feel that way? Do you f worry about an imbalance in friendships if they are so helping I, you? I do. Um, 
I would say I do a lot less 12 years on to making sighted friends than I did at the beginning. Um, I, I, I grew up um, in, in a family where that kind of thing was a lot of work. Um, people don't read the menu to me. People don't tend to help me with the interact machine. People don't tend to make guiding all that enjoyable. Um, and so to me, there's always been an, an inferiority complex um, because my family is also hypercritical about a lot of things. Um, you know, even being a messy eater, you know, like I, I'm not a messy eater, but the way I eat my family considers messy. And so I always grew up being told I was. Um, and so when I first met friends who were sighted, all of that baggage was kind of there. Um, and I didn't, I didn't really know what to do with it. Um, I, and you know, and I, to some extent, I still kind of get self-conscious and then you know, over over twelve years, I've been really fortunate to have those friends who and who remind me every time, you know, I open my mouth to apologize for making them do something. They'll be like, "Shut up!" You know, it's like, okay, I mm. guess it's not it's not a problem. Okay, fine. You know, mm -hmm. um, I'm the opposite. Like, yeah, I find and... I find like when people say like I'll say, "Oh, like no, it's okay. Like I'll do that," or "Oh, you didn't have to do that," or whatever. They're like. If they say stop or I offered or it's not a big deal or stop apologizing, it's like they're kind of diminishing my feelings of like I want to be more reciprocal. Yeah, and but that so I, I've I've learned to kind of separate the two. When I say oh you didn't have to do that, that's not my attempt at being reciprocal. That's my own insecurity coming out. Whereas mm -hmm. they didn't see it as a big deal. You know, I I wrote. I wrote a blog about this as well, right? I wrote a one called Walking Together a long time ago where I went on a hike with some of my church friends and one of my friends was kind of guiding me and taking pictures with her other hand. And I was like, you know, if it's any, like, and I told her, I was like, you know, if, if you're if you're getting tired of guiding me or if you're not, and if you'd rather focus on the photos, you know, I can ask someone else, you know? And she was like, who's guiding? <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> oh, like, Right. How do I respond to that? Like you we're know, just walking together. Yeah, because I'd never had yeah. that experience before, and it was it was it was really nice, but it was also really awkward at the same time because I was like, oh, like, mm -hmm. so what do I do? Yeah. You know? Huh. Yeah. It's, this is it's, it's complicated. I was just gonna say, I think like sometimes I find ways to reciprocate. Um. So let's say like if I if if, if they're driving, let's say we're going to lunch. Maybe I buy lunch. Mm -hmm. um, maybe, yeah. you know, if we're going for coffee, I buy coffee yeah. um, or or something like that. I It is hard, though, because I just feel like it's not the same. Like, ever, yep. it's never the same, like, level. Um, mm -hmm. Also, like, sometimes, like, I can't tell if someone is genuinely offering, like, genuinely offering because they'd offer this to everybody. Sure. Or, gen yeah. like, offering this because they're offering, to, offering it to me. Like, a lot of people carpool. A lot of people will pick up something that someone has dropped. It's we're, we're, we're social yeah. nice creatures, right? But sometimes I think that that's something done for me and I don't know how to separate that. And I and 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 that's where it gets hard. But I feel like finding ways to reciprocate in like, you know, paying for meals, paying for coffee is something that I've I've kind of liked, but I I definitely want more because it it's it's quite it's quite imbalanced. 
Well, and I, I think part of what I've also realized is that sometimes people don't do things because they expect me to reciprocate. Yeah. Also, I, I think something I'm learning is to mm -hmm. value what I bring to a friendship. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. Like it's pretty easy to, I don't know, tell someone where the bathroom is yep. or, and even read the menu or even drive if that's something you just do, right? Like it's not, yeah. if you're going, <laughs> it's one thing if they have to drive for half an hour to pick you up to then go yeah. do the thing. But if they live near you, it's not that big of a deal. Just swing by, right? Um, yeah. yeah. So we're putting like all this value on these things that are pretty easy for sighted folks and forgetting about why are you friends with somebody in the first yeah. place, right? It's not yeah. because of what they can do for you. It's because of who they are. It's because Absolutely. of their Amen personality, that. their quality, their sense of humor, their generosity, like whatever, right? Yeah, yeah. So I I, uh, I walk with a friend, a neighbor friend. See, that's that's another one. Like, I know like, we're I friends. Don't know. But How do you know? <laughs> with some of them, I'm like, are we friends? Are we neighbors? You got to kind of define the relationship now, right? Like, you know how they do in dating? Like, you got to define what we are. Yeah, it's like, exactly. a, you got to define it now. Are we level one friends? Are we level three oh, what friends? Are we? Like, what are we? But this yeah. one is a friend. But yeah, we, you know, we talk. And, and she said to me last week, actually, like, um, something about, like, sorry for for using you for count or something about like thank you for being my counselor that i don't pay for or some some reference to like me listening to her mm. problems right mm. and i was i'm like so happy to be able to do that like i feel like yeah. that yeah. is something i can contribute i can yeah. listen and i'm a good listener and i'm happy to be able to do that and it's it's something i bring in a friendship just naturally i'm not yeah. I'm not going to be anybody's counselor for real because you can't, but I can still, I can't yeah. turn off my empathy and my, you know, ability to listen. So yeah, made me feel good. Yeah. Right? And I think yeah. that, that kind of sense of reciprocating is, it, it's not reciprocating in the sense that I have to do something on the same level. It's they're, mm -hmm. they're doing something for me that I cannot do on my own. So what can I do that they can't? Yeah. You know, there's, there's that, that is, I think, what I've learned to define yeah. when I think about reciprocating or returning the favor. Um, and I think that that does make a huge difference. But I also think just, you know, like, I don't know, it's hard to think of ourselves in the gifts that we bring. Like, you know, I also think I have a good sense of humor and I'm fun to be with. And so maybe people want to be my friend because of that. And you're a lot of pun, not, you're a lot of pun right? too, Sean. <laughs> so it's it's just like I don't know. I get stuck on this. Well, what can I do for them yeah. if yeah. they're doing this yeah. for me? And do I have to pay for all their services in order to keep it equal? But that yeah. doesn't feel right. And you know, and then you yeah, you offer gas money, but of course they're going money. to decline. And it's, <laughs> yeah. It's, and, yeah, and you're yeah. you're totally right. And I I I couldn't agree more. I think that's I think we. And that, that, again, applies to all areas of life, right? We tend to focus on the things that we can't do, or I've got nothing to offer here, or I've got mm -hmm. no skills, or I've got no value, valuable thing to contribute. You know, and sometimes it takes people to remind you, it's like, oh, no, actually, you have a lot, <laughs> you know, to, to, to value, uh, for other people to value and for other people to appreciate. Um, but I think, it, I, yeah, I agree. It's really, really hard to focus on those things when the knots are 
much easier to kind of spot. Mm -hmm. Okay. So have you had situations where a sighted friend has done something that was maybe upsetting or offensive or disappointing? Yep. Um, I have, I have one friend slash colleague who I uh, lead with in church. Um, He's the music director of the team that I'm on. And he's always constantly pointing out the fact that Clement, I know you can't see this cue, but, and I'm Uh, like, can we not please? Yes. (laughs) Like, you're like, I know I'm blind already. I don't need you to tell me again, you know, and he's known me for 13 years. (laughs) And I'm starting to think that he's just, I mean, he's never going to listen to this, trying to make me feel included because he's trying to to remind himself and everyone that, yeah, not everyone can see the cues. Just the way he does it is really, really off base. Um, And, but he's old and stubborn and probably not. (laughs) I have had that scenario too. And it's so hard because you know that they are really trying to include you, but it's, oh, it's too much. It's just like, can you stop putting a micro, a microscope, a magnifying glass on my blindness? (laughs) Like reminding everybody constantly, like just stop. Yeah. I think you feel bad because there's, if, you know, if you usually point it out, the response is, well, I'm just trying to help or I'm just trying to include you. And then you feel bad. There's that guilt there, too, yeah. of like, you know, you know that their heart's in the right spot. You know, the intentions are good. So if you say something, it then you make, make them feel bad for helping. It's just, it. I always find it a very hard circle that I, I struggle with. So I had a friendship that it kind of came on really, really quickly and really strong. Um, met this person through a friend and all of a sudden they were just all in, wanted to do everything with me, walking three mornings a week, um, riding the tandem, coming to blind tennis, even though they're not blind. Like just everything that I was involved in invited me to their their Toastmasters mm-hmm. club and their other volunteer thing. and. Like it was full on dropping off food at my house, offering to take me to Costco, offering to take me my kid to the clinic when he was sick. Like, and I'm like, I thought, wow, like this person really mm-hmm. wants to be my friend. Like they really like huh. me. <laughs> and this, <laughs> this went on for about six months, I guess we were pretty close. And then they just dropped me. <laughs> <laughs> like oh. for somebody else Ouch. and with no oh. explanation and afterwards looking back what I was sort of not paying attention to was all the photos and the hashtags ah. so every time they did something with me ah. they were posting it on social media look at me ah. look at me taking this blind person here there whatever I mean I'm assuming uh, but that was happening mm-hmm. so like I think it might be a fair assumption that they were kind of using me for some kind of status or media influencing yeah like like (laughs) look at me doing a good deed that's nasty and i thought we were friends and so you know yeah that was a hard one to get over actually i was really really hurt by that and confused and made me very i guess it's like sort of a version of love bombing but in a friend sense where you know i don't know it's just when it's full on like that maybe maybe back up the truck <laughs> well especially given all the anxiety we just talked about for the past 20 yeah. minutes yes when exactly you, when, you, when you fight all of that anxiety to try and make an effort and then that happens like mm-hmm. that yeah ouch yeah yeah that was a hard one that's painful yeah for me oh man i think it's all like 
a lot of it's times it's sometimes it's the little things and sometimes I get really hung up on them when maybe I shouldn't like honestly this just happened a few days ago like one day ago so I'm a little bit still upset by mm-hmm. it mm-hmm. but um a couple of my friends two of my friends and I were hanging out um we went for lunch we went to Sephora we just kind of hung out um and all day, day like one of them in particular was just babying me a lot. And I've seen her before, and she's never really done it a lot, to be honest. Like, she's, I just never got that vibe for her. But, like, you know, we were at lunch, and I, you know, reached behind my plate to grab my glass. There was my my lemonade beverage, and there was my, my water. And, of course, you know, okay, I touched the water glass. I know I go to my left, and I grab my, my cup because it's never going to be a streamlined action of, like, hand to cup. Yeah. And she's like, oh, honey, you're touching your water glass. Also, she's younger. She's like 20 and I'm 24. So she's like, honey, you're touching your water glass. I'm like, I, I got it. That's fine. Whatever. Right. She's trying to be mm-hmm. helpful. Mm-hmm. And I pick up my lemonade, whatever I'm drinking it. And sometimes and tiny people do this, too. They fidget, um, you know, so I sip and then I'm like just kind of swirling the straw in there just to kind of mix it. There's a lemon on the side. I'm just kind of like picking at it while I'm chatting. Yeah. And she goes. That's your lemon, honey. You don't drink out of that. That's not the straw. Ugh. And I only have to one day for you ago, already. Was... Yikes! And I want to thank goodness the other girl next to me just says, "I think she knows." Yeah. Because I was getting really frustrated, and I was like, "I'm about to just." Yeah. It's this so is where hard. it's hard. This is where it's, it's hard. hard. You want to educate, but also, if someone did that to any other person, like you'd be like, "Please shut up." It is. And then thought that was over. Like, you know, I, the menus, I sit on the outside of the table because I have a guide dog. So I'm sitting on the outer side. The ser- like, this was in the beginning of the lunch. The server leaves the menus. And I'm like, it's, uh, my friend's like, oh, so and so, can you pass the menus? And I'm like, oh, oh, I got them. I see them. They're right here. I'll pass them out. And she goes, oh, well, feel them. You can't see them. Uh... And I'm like, oh, no, like, see, <laughs> seeing and like that, those types of words are just like, um, you know, like common expressions, like see someone tomorrow. She goes, well, no, actually you do mean see them tomorrow, but I won't put my foot in my mouth. And I was oh, like, hey, you need to stop talking because you are upsetting me. And you're like, you're already putting your foot in your mouth. Yes. And then uh, later in, you know, the day, like she kept talking to my dog. Like she's like, I'm not petting her, but she'd be like, good girl, good girl. And then she was driving me home. She's, you know, and I was like getting up getting my coat and I was like gonna walk to the front door of like my friend's house I'm pretty good at that the dog knows how to get there we're fine she's like oh don't move Ginny like I don't want you to fall I'm like I'm 24 is what I said because I was getting really frustrated at that point she -hmm. opens her passenger door she's like oh hold on I'm gonna come there I don't want you to fall or trip over I'm like dude I'm not going to she's like I know I just care and I'm like okay I I get that and I did write out a nice text yesterday and like tell them this because it was something that was really really bothering me really excessively mm-hmm. um and the only thing she really said was oh man i didn't know i was making you feel that way which is good i'm, I'm like she probably didn't and she did say sorry but then she did change the subject so i'm a little bit like i don't know if she's actually understanding that i won't fall or won't this or she's just not going to say those words because i feel like for me there's a difference um in that um like those are just like the minor things like i've had unfortunately like friends that are you know like we'll be hanging out and they'll be like oh yeah my 
my friend could use like a service dog for this 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 thing i should look into it which like is fine but like why are we always just talking about like i think like that is like the thing that kind of comes up um a lot of the time um or like oh you know so and so like has a puppy like we we want to we want to um what is it like train it to to be like an alert dog things like that like how do you do that right and you kind of have to do that awkward like speech or like if they want to make it an emotional support animal and i find that like that's always pretty pretty challenging to do i think like the hardest one for me though was like um when like my one of my friends at the time like i was receiving accommodations through university and i feel like an sometimes a misconception is like we get um privileges or we get like special treatment or like extra time or whatever and um i had gotten a syllabus for a class earlier it was given to me just so i can like prepare textbooks look at assignments make sure they were accessible and i guess i had mentioned to this friend because i thought this is what friends did you shared all the tea so i was trying to be cool and i was like oh, i got the syllabus like it looks cool because then if you don't share, then it's like, oh, you know, like, do you have an in? You're not sharing with me because I've also gotten that. But she was like, oh, can you send it to me? I was like, that I can't do because it's I'm specifically told not to. Like, it's my me on the line. And she actually was like, I'm going to email the professor and ask for it. And that was super embarrassing because then I got an email from the professor saying, you're not allowed to do that. That's like specifically for your accommodation. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the most embarrassed I've ever been because it's kind of been brought to like a professional level in a school setting. Um, And I want to be very, very clear that this friend was extremely guilty and like apologized many, many, many times. Like we were actually fine after that. This is just an example. And like she was profusely sorry. She, you know, even said to me, she's like, I'm so sorry. Like I can't change it now. And, and, you know, I think it's something I couldn't get over in our friendship. Our friendship did dissolve. And I don't know why I couldn't get over it, but it's something I just couldn't pass. Like every time we'd have an argument, it would come up. And I think it's just because I was just so embarrassed that it went to like a professor level. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good examples. I mean, that kind of jealousy of the accommodations, it's hard to. I don't even think she was jealous. I think she just genuinely was like, oh, I could have the syllabus. Like, I don't know if it was a jealousy. I think in the beginning, she maybe didn't understand it was an accommodation. She's like, why do you get it? And I don't. And I think that's just like a lack of education around Mm -hmm. that. Yeah. Yeah. The parking passes, getting in free somewhere. You kind of are like that perk person, but then you kind of feel used, but then you're also like, okay, is this my way of reciprocating? Yeah. All of that. And that's, that's where the tricky thing is. It's like, if I go to, if I go, if I go travel with a friend on air Canada, do I get the two for one deal, you know, or do I not mention it, you know, but then I know during the trip, they're going to be helping me with all sorts of things. A, yeah. B, C, and so what do I do? I, I, I get that. It, it yeah. yeah. Okay. So I have a final question. Um, mm-hmm. Have either of you ever actually checked in with a friend to find out if they are feeling used or taken for granted or like things aren't, even or equal in the friendship regularly okay and regularly. how, how does that yeah. like explain how how does that how do you do that 
so I, I have I have a few friends. Not not all of my friends I'm in this open with, but with a couple of them, you know, I'm very very open about this kind of thing about how much I feel inferior in terms of our friendship and dynamics and stuff. And they're always the ones who sometimes will be very gracious about it, and sometimes they'll be like, "Chill," <laughs> you know. And so, yeah. <laughs> um, which I appreciate because sometimes I find gentleness doesn't work with me, and I need a smack in the back of the head. Um, and you know what I what I do with them is you know as just as they're checking it or usually it'll be after uh they've done something for me so after they've given me a ride home um or after we've spent a few hours um eating together or doing aikido or at church or something and i'll you know we'll kind of be leaving and you know maybe they'll have helped me i tend to look for situations where people do a lot for me in one sitting mm -hmm. um so if they've helped me find a washroom they've read the entire menu for me and they've helped me with you know the interact machine and on the way out i'll kind of sometimes ask you know you know i know you keep saying this isn't a problem but just for my peace of mind <laughs> is this <Yeah>. a problem <laughs> and usually the response is i've already told you before if it was i would tell you what okay so i mean that is another thing like would you Believe, do you believe them when they say no? No. Like, do you trust that they <laughs> would tell you if it was too? Because I think that's my problem. I'm like, who's yeah. going to yeah. tell me? So, yeah, it's yeah. too hard being your friend. Exactly. So, like, I've done the I, same thing with, like, as yeah. Clement. Like, if someone is, like, trying to take my trash, in fact, I will argue for a minute. Are you sure? Are you sure? Mm -hmm. And they're like, this is more annoying than taking it. Give it to me. Right. That's true. Or, yeah. or, <laughs> or they'll that. be like, or they'll be like, I offered, well, they'll just yeah. get so frustrated. They're like, yeah. We've done this song and dance. This is boring. Like I have a I have we're, not, someone we're not arguing. Was, we're not arguing about this. Just yeah, like she she literally is like, I do this with everybody, Jenny. I do this with everybody. This is boring. Please stop. <laughs> and like I'll have to kind of check myself. Do I ever believe these people? Yeah. No. Is it has it actually led to my own friendships having arguments and dissolving because of this own issue? Yes. Right. Yeah. No. Right. Because they probably feel offended that you yeah. would think. Th that you can't trust yeah. them or you know that they would be so petty as to like have yeah. a problem with taking your trash yeah. away to like so, yeah or doing something yeah so, so my my friend my friend emmy who's the one i wrote about in the blog um the walking together blog for the singing christmas tree for all 10 shows she drove me home right um and i i remember on the i think i was on the last night or maybe on halfway through i said are you sure like you're okay with taking me home because you live in Marple and I don't, mm. you know, like I, I live mm -hmm. in the complete opposite direction, mm -hmm. you know? And she said, yeah, but you know, I just want to talk about how the show went and I want to talk about, I want to hear your thoughts and I want to share my thoughts. Right. And I was like, okay, <laughs> you know, like, and yeah. I, I get what Ginny's saying is, you know, do I believe them? No, no, not, not, <laughs> not, not always, but at the same time, there's a reality check that remind that I kind of asked myself and go, okay, well, if she really did have a problem with it, why would she do it ten times out of ten just to be nice? Yeah, because, because they're supposed because that's to. A, that's, I don't know. No, but that's a that's a waste of gas money. She didn't have to offer every. She time. didn't have to offer to begin with. You know, the singing mm -hmm. Christmas tree is crowded. There's two thousand people in that lobby. It would be very easy for her to. Kind of disappear one night. And just say, oh, I'm gonna go see. <laughs> yes. Not obviously not. You know not. But I know. It, you know, I know and not make it look suspicious. 
Yeah. 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 Like, oh, I just lost you in the crowd. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And so it, it's kind of this, I have to wrestle all the time with like my gut instinct not to trust what people are saying, but then their actions are telling me they're fine. So. Yeah. It, but then it, it's, it's like, hard. oh, they're not going to say no to a bl- blind person. Well, for me, I wouldn't ask for a ride. But oh, I never do. Offers... But if we, even if we say no, I feel like a lot of the time is, are you sure? Or, yeah. okay, well, I'm going to wait with you until you get your ride, but then you say no. And it's like, I don't know. Yeah, I feel like so there's, it's, there yeah. is that. Are they being kind? Yeah. Are they being, are yeah. they worried about you? Are yeah. they, you know, wanting to make sure you're safe? Or yeah. do they actually want to spend the time with mm-hmm. you? D- yeah, it is complicated. It's it is a complicated. tricky one. Sure. I um, have had people say, I want to drive you home because I want to, I, I get to hang out with you and I love when people say that because yeah, me too. <laughs> it makes me feel like I didn't have to, you know, they, they just volunteer that information up front and, and then I'm like, okay, that's yeah. cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love exactly. hanging out with you too. And exactly. I get a ride. Perfect. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and, and with some friends, you know, especially the ones who have a proven record of when you say no, okay, no means no. Okay. Bye. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, that, that sets me at ease a lot and it makes them a lot more believable Yes. Um, even if I, my gut instinct and my emotions say I don't want to believe them, yeah, my rational side has more evidence. Yeah, to support that and say, okay, you know what? Every time I've said no, they've been okay with it, and so yeah, they, when, the more they want to linger, they must genuinely just want to spend time together. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, but it is, it is a, it, it's, it's messy and it's a lot to wrestle with. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Ah. Uh, this has been so great, you guys. We have to wrap up because. Thank you so much for joining me for this conversation. Thank you. Thank you. You've been listening to Limitless, the Blind Beginnings podcast. If you have a question, a comment, a future topic request, please send us an email to limitless at blindbeginnings.ca. Please share a podcast, like, subscribe, leave us a rating, and join us next time. This podcast has been brought to you by Blind Beginnings, an organization based in Vancouver, Canada, that supports children and youth who are blind or partially sighted, along with their families. Music for this podcast is composed by Sean Bishop and Clement Chow. Production and audio editing by Rob Minot. For more information about Blind Beginnings and the work it does to support children and youth who are blind and partially sighted, along with their families, visit us on the web at www.blindbeginnings.ca and also remember to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We thank you for joining us and we look forward to seeing you next time.